So I ended up giving probably over 100 presentations over a six month period about this particular solution we derived. But uh, what I discovered, you know, for an interesting anecdotal story, story uh, I gave a presentation about economic benefits, but I gave it to the Scripps Institute and learned they could care less about economic benefits. They were, they were more concerned about what, what this means to the environment. And it was like a bit of an aha moment for me, for me, realizing that, hey, you know, you really need to know your audience and, and what, you know, what floats their boat. So every, every since then, uh, I, uh, I just uh, intensely research my audience in advance of giving any presentation uh, to, to try to understand uh, what, you know, where their interests are, what their education may be, what their hot buttons are. I even do that if it's an audience of one person. You know, of course, with LinkedIn these days, you can easily find that out. But it's so important to do that. Uh, and, which, and you could use the same presentation, but you can adjust that presentation uh, to to match uh, the the audience that you've uh, you've researched. So I, I strongly recommend that uh, to anybody who who regularly gives resident, uh, presentations. Don't give the same one uh, twice uh, to different audiences because it's it's almost doomed to fail if you're not careful. Welcome to What Are We Talking About, a podcast produced by Water Online. Hosts Jim Laurier of Maisie Injector Company and Adam Tank of Transcend Water, a dynamic boomer millennial combo, will help you demystify how to build a better brand for your business, keep current and prospective customers engaged with your company, and ultimately grow your sales. They interview some of the most interesting and unique water professionals who have used the art of storytelling to move the needle for themselves and for their organizations. Uh, so today's guest is Joe Zubak. Joe is the principal of Global Water Advisors. And Joe, I got to know you when you were the chief technology officer of Seaman Water Technologies, and we've been friends ever since. Spent a lot of time working together on different things. I was a, a member of your merry band of uh, advisors for Global Water Advisors for a little while. And uh, we're really happy to have you uh, on our show today. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Thanks for inviting me. I, uh, I'm looking forward to this. It sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, and Joe, I, I would agree. I obviously haven't known you as long as Jim, but based on our prep call and a little bit of reading I've done on your background, I think you you are going to bring some refreshing perspective around this concept of telling stories, especially from a technical angle, because you've been in it. You've been in the field. You've done it. So I, re I really want to start there. And I want you to sort of explain how you formulated this concept around needing to be able to tell stories as a salesperson out in the field, where most of the time folks are talking about pump curves and other sort of technical things. You sort of took the, the path less traveled. So I want to start there. Sure. Well, you know, it helps if you make a lot of mistakes and you have to recover from your bruises by changing. So uh, like a lot of engineers that go into sales, uh, I thought, hey, all I needed was the, the best product and the best explanation. I would win every order. And uh, once I realized that wasn't the case, I then uh, recalled advice my brother gave me when I graduated from high school where he said, Joe, nothing ever happens till somebody sells something. So selling is a, is a unique skill. And uh, uh, for um, probably uh, 20 years, I was in a direct sales role, uh, both um, for uh, uh, components like ion exchange resins, but then very, very large systems. And you just learn things from, from uh, you know, trial and error about uh, uh, how to engage an audience to get across your point in a way that's 
that's favorably uh, viewed and you know uh, not not threatening uh, and that type of thing. Yeah, one of the things you said, Joe, when we did the prep call about that you've never given the same presentation twice. Yeah, why don't you talk about that? That I mean, that's a very key point that uh, I'd like the audience really to understand. Sure, you know, uh, back uh, back in the early days of U.S. Silver, you guys might remember that name from the past. Uh, we uh, I, I led an effort to uh, for a project to uh, actually uh, recover ag drainage, and and then. Uh, in so doing, we had to come up with a fix for the Salton Sea in California. So I ended up giving probably over 100 presentations over a six-month period about this particular solution we derived. But what I discovered, you know, for interesting anecdotal story, story uh, I gave a presentation about economic benefits, but I gave it to the Scripps Institute and learned they could care less about economic benefits. They were, they were more concerned about what, what this means to the environment. And it was like a bit of an aha moment for me, for me realizing that, hey, you know, you really need to know your audience and, and what you know what floats their boat. So every every since then, uh, I uh, I just uh, intensely research my audience in advance of giving any presentation uh, to to try to understand uh, what you know where their interests are, what their education may be, what their hot buttons are. I even do that if it's an audience of one person. You know, of course, with LinkedIn these days, you can easily find that out. But it's so important to do that. Uh, and, which, and you could use the same presentation, but you can adjust that presentation uh, to to match uh, the the audience that you've uh, you've researched. So I, I strongly recommend that uh, to anybody who who regularly gives resident, uh, presentations. Don't give the same one uh, twice uh, to different audiences because it's it's almost doomed to fail if you're not careful. This concept of know your audience, I'll call it KYA, to keep it short, right. You, you brought this up multiple times in the prep call, and I would agree with you, and Jim certainly believes in this. You, you, you have to craft your message to the people that are hearing it. And you mentioned a couple ways that you think about creating a new message for an audience. You talked about scouring LinkedIn to find their background. You talked about maybe looking for a le level of education, the things that might be interested in. What other tactical advice would you give to someone who sort of has like a canned, we'll say marketing sort of deck or sales deck that they're going out to sell with most of the time? What are some small things they can do that might really move the needle for them when they go and talk to different stakeholders? Sure. Well, you know, it, uh, for a lot of engineers and sales, you know, you, they tend to start with a description of their product and, uh, and how that you know product operates. The, the better approach is understand the problem to be solved. That's a disruptive innovation uh, term that, that your, your audience uh, is really worried about. And then start immediately with, with uh, a reference to that problem to be solved because that'll grab their interest. Uh, so that's, and again, there's another aspect there that we used to train in years past called establishing commonality with, with an audience before you start to, to actually uh, try to make your case. So, so that's something that I, I recommend as a tactic is, is you know, in addition to understanding what, who they are and what they want to hear is, is find out what they're really worried about and try to connect with that early in, in your presentation. Yeah. One of the advantages you, you talked about, Joe, that also helps you when you know your audience is to find out if they might know more about your product than you do yeah. and, and be prepared for that. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I made that mistake as a young sales guy. Uh, I think I shared that with you guys where I went into a, a crowd and uh, I, I used to be, you know, in sales for ion exchange resins and membranes. And somebody asked me about what's the gear reducer for your, the motor on your aerator you're trying to sell. <laughs> I had no idea what a gear reducer was. I thought I'm never, ever going to let that 
happen again to be. So I, I uh, this became uh, focused on um, on the technical side, make sure that that uh, that there's nobody in that room who's going to embarrass me with something I didn't know. So again, that's just my my personal style that I've I've adapted to over the years, and uh, I think that's if you're going to be a you know a sales engineer, you have to be both, you know, a salesman and an engineer, and uh, uh, and that's that's always worked well for me. Joe, can you talk a bit about the the difference in communication as a field salesperson versus maybe an operating executive in a business, and how you think about crafting your message for? those sort of different audiences or maybe how people perceive you being in different kinds of roles. Sure. Yeah. In a, in a field sales role, uh, again, it, I think it gets back to this commonality issue where you establish um, basically a relationship with the person you're selling to. And uh, you know, one of the things that I did that was a little bit unusual is if I ever thought one, <clears throat> one of my customers would do better buying from one of my competitors, I would say, you need to buy from one of my competitors. So you might lose an order or two, but you, you gain trust that uh, that will ultimately pay off, you know, much many more benefits in the, in the future. So, so that 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 one-on-one relationship uh, is very important. Uh, you have to have trust and credibility um, uh, to to succeed. When you, when you're in a corporate environment, uh, it, it can be different. You you still have those relationships, but but you're you know you're you're part of the of the uh, you know the the political picture that's going on. Uh, and corporations have cultures and ways of doing things that you're obliged to behave in, in that fashion, whether you like it or not. You know, quite frankly, that was one of the reasons why I retired from working for a big corporation is because uh, you know, I used to say there was, you know, 40 percent NVA work, which stood for no value added. But you had to do it to uh, uh, basically because you had to do it because you work in the company. So um, but uh, but there, there are different engagement styles. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're usually part of a meeting, uh, you, know, you know, on executive councils and, uh, you know, you have to have to manage differently. Um, and again, it's the same thing if you're on a board. I was on the, the uh, Water Environment Research Foundation board for six years. So so those interactions are different than when you're trying to sell, sell something. You, you have different goals in mind um, uh, and you use some of your sales skills, but it's a, it's a different environment. You can't behave like a sales guy you know, selling to something to somebody when you're on a board or in, or, or uh, you know, in an executive council. Yeah. Joe, so as you've moved in your career from direct selling to executive positions, has there been anything you've done to hone your presentation skills? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, 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 little tricks that I, I developed. One thing that I would do is I would always write out my presentation and then uh, at least, you know, lots of notes, outlines, a lot of information and try to design that presentation precisely for the audience. And then I'd always write out word for word the first couple of sentences, of the points I want to get across in the very, very beginning. Uh, and then and then uh, before I went up on stage, I would review all of my notes and then I would put them away, never look at them again. Uh, I would never read from the slide. Uh, I basically would rely upon uh, that kind of short-term programming of, of my my brain and what to say, you know, that, that I would, would would literally remind myself minutes before I went on stage. Then before I, maybe even during the introduction uh, by the uh, the person in charge of, of introductions, um, I would take a very, very deep breath and feel all the tension flow out of my body and exit through my toes. I've read that about someplace. Very effective just to reduce the tension uh, and then uh, start my presentation. Now, Jim, you know me, I, a lot of times I would start with something that I would try to 
saying something uh, to uh, disarm the audience a little bit, to it kind of reduces the tension level. And uh, my favorite story is I was giving a presentation in Israel to a room full of entrepreneurs, and I started the uh, the audience by uh, uh, by saying good morning in Hebrew, and they stood up and gave me a round of applause. <laughs> so, uh, so you never know, but it, it helps, you know, it's just it, to to try to diffuse. Uh, that audience tension early, and then they're more receptive to your message. You're listening to the What Are We Talking About podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. This podcast is produced by Water Online, the leading web-based community for water and wastewater professionals, showcasing the knowledge and authority of industry thought leaders. Water Online provides actionable content from vendors you can trust. And now, back to today's podcast. Another way I've, I've noticed you diffuse an audience or maybe bring some levity to a given meeting is to use humor. Yeah. So I've seen you and Jim interact a bit. I know that you've got some quips and you like to do some back and forth. So you, can you talk about how you blend humor into this whole concept and how you can make it work for you? Sure. Yeah, you have to have a, a right humor for the right audience. So, you know, I've, I've given talks to lots of universities, uh, uh, you know, grad school programs and so forth over the years. And, you know, being an old guy, uh, you know, usually talking to chemical engineering, one of my standard jokes that my wife is sick of hearing of, it's basically saying that, you know, chemistry was a lot easier when I studied it because there were only four elements on the periodic table, you know, earth, wind, <laughs> fire, and water. <laughs> that usually gets everybody uh, loosened up, but, uh, um, you know, that, that type, type type of humor. But uh, you got to be careful with that because you could come across as a complete jerk if you're not careful. So you have to be very mindful of your audience and, uh, um, you know, be uh, uh, sometimes you don't, don't start that way. But uh, when you do, it can be really effective. Yeah, Joe, we talk about it. We always joke, you know, are we chemical engineers or comical engineers? Exactly right. Yeah, it's another line I used that it took me two years to figure out it was not comical engineering. <laughs> yeah. And don't get Jim and I started. We, we This could uh, extend this <laughs> this podcast by another 30 minutes if we get rolling on our joke swap. Yeah, exactly. But one of the things that, uh, Joe, you know, we, we you and I, we, we've been around the block a, a number of times and, you know, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But you and I and Adam as well, we're, we're all using um, chat GPT uh, to generate things. And and I saw on LinkedIn, you used it to uh, write a poem about water. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, your uh, uh, foray into uh, AI and, and other things that you've uh, looked at uh, going into the future? Sure. Yeah. Basically, when I worked for Siemens 15 years ago, it was my first exposure to AI. And I was I was very impressed about it and thought a lot about how it could be used in, in the, you know, the world of water technology. And uh, uh, and it was still, you know, in its very nascent uh, uh, p- place there and it's still early. So uh, when Chat GPT came out, I started playing around with it and uh, started asking it random questions and thought, wow, this is interesting. So I, I asked this question about water treatment. So, um, you know, it's interesting, you know, uh, it's still in its early stages, and uh, but it's, it's a game changer as far as how uh, uh, you know we we interact in the world here. You know, just there's so many things you could do with with this to to give you information uh, that could serve as a starting point for for engaging uh, in, in communication with others. So uh, um, uh, I'm I'm still at the fascination le- level, and I'm, I'm not sure exactly how 
how I'm going to use it, but I think it I think it'll be something that the next generation will be using all the time. Joe, as you think about these innovations like ChatGPT, advanced AI, and you sort of contrast that with you being an early, early field sales engineer and the tools you had available to you then to tell stories and communicate. What advice would you give to someone who's just starting out, who wants to become a better communicator? How do they sort of do the basic blocking and tackling, but how might they also think about using newer innovations in communication to do their job? Sure. Well, you know, uh, back when I started, obviously there's no internet. Uh, basically, uh, uh, you, you wrote letters. I remember getting excited. We had a fax machine in our office like a gazillion years ago. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, we spent a lot of face time with, with, with customers. And sometimes the most difficult challenge was getting in front of somebody, getting some of their time. And you had to be very uh, uh, respectful of, of that opportunity and make sure you didn't waste their time. So I think that's, that's a, a piece of advice I think is relevant for everybody. And, of course, these days, you know, we all get deluged by people trying to sell us something by emails or, or text messages. Um, and, um, you know, in, in our industry, I think, you know, you have to, you know, or there, there was a uh, style of selling we used to teach. I think it still holds up. We call it a consultative selling where, where you're engaging the, 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 your, your client, your consulting engineer you're calling on, the end user, a customer, uh, you know, in a more or less a consulting role where you're not really trying to peddle a particular product. You're, you're basically trying to, to, uh, to create a vision for, uh, in their mind of you as a resource to them. And so that means you better know your topic well, uh, and you better understand how that topic relates to the world they live in. And you better, you definitely better understand the economic benefits uh, of your, of your uh, whatever you're selling compared to the status quo. Uh, that's something that, uh, you know, when I managed R&D, we wouldn't even consider an, an innovation unless it was, you know, 40% lower than the status quo uh, technologies on a life cycle cost basis. So, so those are the things I'd recommend uh, and uh, hone those skills uh, and so that they come natural, almost like uh, like the blink instinct. You you know you behave in a way that you, you, doesn't look like you're you're uh, you, you know you came up with it last night. You really understand what you're talking about. Yeah, someone asked me about GPT and how I use it for content generation, and I I, I explained it's like making an omelet with just using eggs. Exactly. Yeah. Add the butter, the salt, the pepper, the spices it's really not going to be you and it's not going to be flavorful enough for people to really uh, enjoy it. So it's a tool to generate content and I can see you're starting to use it. Adam uses it. I use it. So um, it's another tool, right? And and that's kind of what we're, we're looking at. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. It's been interesting to watch the uh, evolution of technologies and tools over many, many years. Uh, and, you know, and what I tend to do is, uh, uh, is uh, I look at, innovations differently where right? I look at this innovation, this innovation, and imagine what happens when they, they, uh, they inter- intersect in the future. And, um, you know, that there's lots of those things, that, those types of scenarios going on now. It's, uh, uh, so who knows, you know, we're, we're in a, uh, we're in a world where, where innovation is changing so fast that, uh, it's hard to predict, uh, what, uh, what's, what's going to, what the world's going to look like in 25 years. All right, Joe, we are rapidly approaching time, which is crazy to think about. And we always like to end the podcast with one final question. Really curious to get your answer on this. So Jim and I have managed to find a plane somehow, some way. And we also have managed to figure out how to fly it, which is maybe the more impressive part of this. And what we're going to do is we're going to fly and pick you up. 
And we're going to give you the opportunity to put a message that we're going to trail on the back of that airplane. You basically get like a tweet's worth of characters or a sentence or two. And we're going to fly it in front of the home of every water professional around the world. What would you want your banner to say? Uh, that's a great question. And, you know, there's so many different possibilities, but uh, here's what I'd like for it to say. I would like to address it to, to two groups of people. The first group are all of the, the people that my, my colleagues and collaborators and clients and customers uh, uh, that I've worked with over, over all these years, literally half a century, uh, that's made working in a water industry so much fun. I've just had a blast working in a water industry for so much fun. Uh, and I have enormous gratitude for all of the people, world's best people seem to find their way in the water industry, it seems. So that's part, what first part of the message. Second part is the last 15 years, I've had enormous fun working with, with entrepreneurs and startups. And, and those guys, are, those, those men and women are, are fighting a, a, a very difficult fight. So I feel, sometimes I feel like the, uh, the, the trainer in the, you know, Rocky movie play, played by Burgess Meredith, you know, where I'm saying, yeah, I got to get in the ring and, and fight. So, uh, so my message would be really simple. It would, it would be uh, thank all of you and keep swinging. Just like that. Right. Joe, that's great. We, we really appreciate your wisdom. You know, I always enjoy watching you present at trade shows and, and different conferences. So this has been a great uh, opportunity for us to be able to get the audience, uh, the Water Online audience, to get some of that wisdom. So thanks again. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate the opportunity to, to uh, chat to the water industry and, uh, um, you know, keep doing what you're doing. I think keep swinging. <laughs>